This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. On today's episode, Maria is joined by a special panel to discuss the growth mindset. This audio comes from a virtual conference originally recorded April 13th. Now, let's meet the panelists. My name is Cindy Williams-Schraven, and I am an author from Michigan, and I'm so excited because my first book, This Could Be You, just came out two weeks ago, two weeks ago, so it's very exciting for me. I'm so excited to be able to talk to kids and help them dream and achieve. I'm Shannon Anderson. I live in Indiana, and I'm also a children's book author. I was a teacher for 25 years, so I did first grade all the way through college level, and now the last two years, I have made the leap into writing and speaking full-time. I'm also very excited because my newest book... I Love Strawberries came out one week ago, and this is a book about a girl who loves strawberries, and she has the determination um, to persuade her parents to allow her to have her own strawberry patch. Hi, everybody. My name is Gaya Cornwall, and I am an author and an illustrator. Um, I made Jabari Jumps, and my latest book... um, is coming out next month hopefully that's what they say <laughs> it's called the best bed for me and I it's from Candlewick and I illustrated it and wrote it myself and I'm coming to you from Connecticut awesome thank you so much everyone for introducing yourselves well we have students tuning in today and teachers if you could go ahead and tell us where you're tuning in from we would love to hear where we are representing all over the U.S. So right now, authors, I'm going to, an illustrator, we are going to talk a little bit about who you were as a child. So when you were in elementary school, did you enjoy drawing pictures? Did you enjoy reading or writing? What what did you like to do when you were younger? So I've had kids ask me this before, if I was a a big writer when I was younger, and I actually wasn't. Um, I was a big reader, though. And I loved reading and I loved making pictures. So I drew on everything. And I think at some point there were rules about what I was not allowed to draw on because (laughs) I was the kid who would like draw all over magazines and newspapers that weren't probably hadn't been read yet. Um, And like the backs of envelopes and stuff like that. Um, But I think maybe I actually did do a little bit of writing, but my sister was considered the writer. So I never kind of thought of myself as a writer until I got a lot older. That is a great story. And it reminds me a little bit about um, Tommy DePaulo, one of my favorite authors who has since passed. And he um, had, his parents were remodeling a home and they allowed him to draw on all the walls <laughs> in the house when they, when they were doing drywall work. <laughs> So fun. That could be confusing. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> I will start too. Um, I was 
a bit of a writer. I wish I had more of the things that I had written when I was younger. I do have a poem that I wrote um, to my mother for Mother's Day, and that's probably the only thing I still have to look at. But I remember my mother telling the story of me telling big tales, because at one point in time before my sister was born, it was just me, and I had convinced uh, all the cousins that I had a baby sister, but she just always slept upstairs and never came down. So <laughs> I guess I like to tell stories forever. A storyteller. That's awesome. Yeah. And what about you, Shannon? Well, for me, I, as soon as I knew how to start writing, I was writing. I wrote in little diaries and journals my whole entire childhood. I still journal today. And so that was a kind of writing though, that was for myself. You know, I would talk about my day in there. I would talk about if I was excited about something or nervous, or maybe I was mad at my little sisters for getting into my things. And I would just write that in diaries. And it wasn't until fifth grade when we had an author visit that there was a school-wide writing contest. And I wrote a story and lo and behold, I won first place. So when the author came up, um, she handed me one of her books and it was an autographed copy of Can't Catch Me, I'm the Gingerbread Man. And I just still remember that today as a shift from thinking that my writing was just for me to, oh, other people could enjoy my stories too. And I just always had this desire to write. And I, at one point, cleared out half of my closet. So I had all of my clothes and everything shoved to one side so the other half could be kind of like my little writing cave. And I, I had a little desk light in there and I would just go in there to hide away and write poems and in my diaries and things. So it was always a love for me. That's fantastic. We have students tuning in from California, Ohio, Florida, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. <laughs> There's a lot of Michigans on there. Thank you so much, teachers, for popping in and telling us where you're tuning in from. So today we're talking about something that connects the three of your books. So if um, students, if you know, you know what a Venn diagram is, if we were to put together a Venn diagram that had each of these authors' books together, what would be the shared space? The shared space has a word, two words called growth mindset. And I know Cindy has a great explanation on growth mindset. Could you share that with the students, Cindy? Sure. Um, one of the things I like to think about when we talk about a growth mindset is the fact that it's all about you, right? It's not about competing with anyone else. It's about dreaming and achieving those dreams and telling yourself that if I fail or if I don't do perfectly right away, that's a way I can learn and figure out how to do better, that mistakes are a learning opportunity. And the other thing that I really like to mention always is that when we can't do something, we often say, I can't, that's it, I'm done, right? But there's a really big word that we need to remember instead of can't. And Shannon has a book with this word in the title, because instead of saying, I can't, we can say, I can't yet, but I'm still working on it. Mm, Shannon, tell us about the book yeah. that has Why is for Yet. Yes. So Why is for Yet is a book that 
I have so many things I could tell you about growth mindset. And that's partly why I made this an alphabet book, because that gave me the chance to do 26 different things about growth mindset. Um, I also have one for older kids. So those of you that are older, I have mindset power and you're probably going to giggle, but my newest growth mindset book that's coming out, you're not going to believe what it's called. Are you ready for it? It's called, yay, you failed. Isn't <laughs> I love it. And so the reason I called it that is because I wanted to be able to show that, you know, when we fail, fail stands for first attempt in learning. And when we fail at something, as Cindy said, we learn from it. And it also proves that you tried in the first place. There are some kids, you know, I've been in the classroom a long time, and there are some kids that won't even try something because they're afraid they won't get it right. But it's so much better to try and not get it right and then keep trying than to not try at all, because then you don't even know if you can do it. But for me, growth mindset is, as Cindy said, about learning from mistakes. As a matter of fact, in our classroom, we called mistakes growth spurts because they help us grow. And one thing I'll share with you that I had in my classroom that you can make very easily at home. So I took a, a three ring binder and I inverted it and it says growth mindset thinking. And this was always at the front of my classroom. And we always started the day on plan A. But you know what? It just so happens. Sometimes things don't go exactly according to plan. Sometimes the Wi-Fi goes out. Sometimes the electricity goes out. Sometimes my math lesson flops. And so I just calmly walk over and I say, well, guys, you know what? we're going to go to plan B. And it's not a big deal because there are all kinds of other plans in there. And just because something doesn't work the first time, it might go better the next time or the next time after that. And so it's just to kind of reinforce and have that visual reminder that there's no expectation for you to get it right the very first time. And something that we, we definitely need to try new things and to try scary things is courage and bravery. And I know that um, Gail's book has a beautiful, beautiful example of that because I have to tell you, I have read your book. Um, and how do you pronounce the character in your book? Jambari? Jabari. Jabari. I have read that book probably five or six times to my own children. We own the book and I just think there are so many beautiful examples in that story for children. So can you kind of talk a little bit about the character and what he goes through in the story? Yeah, sure. Um, so if you haven't read it, this is it, Jabari. That's him right there. And when I talk to kids about reading picture books, we look at the cover a lot of times. And so um, I was just doing a school visit and we were talking about like, how does he feel? You can kind of tell how he feels about jumping off the diving board, like not great. Um, but yeah, I, Jabari, everybody asked me like where I got the idea for Jabari and Jabari actually looks like my cousins and his dad looks like their dad. Um, except right now my cousins are humongous. They, cause I took so long to write this book. Um, so it's like 10 years later. And so they're very big teenagers who are like power above me. Um, but yeah, the story is about Jabari going to the city pool with his dad and his sister and just like getting the courage to jump off the diving board. Um, and I like to think about like being brave and I, and the idea of being brave is that 
you actually have to be scared first to be brave and being scared is totally normal. And um, I think like I've always pictured it in my head that Jabari this day that the book's about is like the last day in many days that he's gone and tried to jump off the diving board and it just didn't happen the other days. Um, and so, yeah, in Jabari Tries, <laughs> I try to talk about, yeah, the whole growth mindset um, that trying again and trying different things and experimenting and failing, the idea of failing and just like trying again and again is just part of the creative process for like anything, for learning anything new, you know, um, whether you're playing basketball or learning how to sing or um, drawing. Um, that's just like part of the process. Okay. I love that. And I, we were on a family vacation recently and I, I just want to point out that this isn't just for kids. Um, my mom was um, climbing many, many steps to go down a water slide. We were all so excited to go down a water slide. And it was my dad and my mom who are grandparents. And it was my three children and myself. And we were climbing all these stairs up and up, up and up and up and up those stairs. And we're talking about how excited we all are. We get to sit in a big tube, all of us and go down a water slide together. And when we got up there, my mom said, I think I'm going to climb down the steps now. I, I'm no longer going to do this. And my kids were shocked. My kids were completely shocked that she decided not to do it. And I said, it, you know, being fearful and changing your mind and that whole concept of trying and bravery, it's not just for kids, it's for grownups too. And that's another thing that I love about all three of your books is when I'm reading your stories, I'm also learning something as an adult. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a lesson for both the reader and the audience as well. So we have um, some questions coming in, and it's really a great time to lead into the part of our program that talks about your inspiration for writing and whether that was a specific moment, um, you know, a specific person, as we heard um, with nephews. So who would like to share a little bit about your inspiration? I think for me, um, a lot of my inspiration and a lot of my story ideas have come from my own personal experience. My my youngest daughter was the inspiration for my very first book, I Am Not a Pirate, about um, her having to wear an eye patch for three years. And then, you know, a lot of my other stories, especially the growth mindset stories and my my story, Penelope Perfect, about a perfectionist, they're about kids in my classroom. I've seen them deal with different issues and things that we've talked about in class and discussed and gotten better together. And so I wanted to be able to share those stories with other kids around the world that may be experiencing that same thing. Um, the I Love Strawberries book is actually the only book that I kind of based on myself. And it's because, well, my mom always said I was very strong-willed when I had a goal, there was no stopping me. And so Jolie is based on that. Not not only her pure determination, but also, you know, I mentioned that I used to write in a diary all the time and Jolie does that as well. So throughout you get to see as she's planning and 
she has all of these missions and the goals that she's trying to accomplish as she's trying to not only show that she's responsible enough to have her own strawberry patch, but then to take care of it and to, um, you know, how she's feeling about the challenges and the joys of taking care of her own strawberry patch. Thank you. I just wanted to say congratulations to all three of you since you are celebrating new releases and um, that's very exciting. So and you, uh, Cindy, what about your inspiration for your story? Well, that's twofold. Uh, part of it is uh, working to be an author and it took me a lot of tries. It took me a lot of work. I have friends that I call critique partners. In your classroom, you probably call them peer editors or peer partners and writing groups that you're in. And when I first started writing, I didn't realize how much work it would be, but I was determined to keep going. So I had those peer editors helping me along the way and giving me ideas. And sometimes when a peer editor gives you an idea or says something about your book you're not that you don't always agree with, it doesn't always feel great at first, right? But sometimes you can sit back for a little while and say, oh, you know what? I think they're right. I'll try it and see how it works out. And that's part of that whole process. The other part of the inspiration for this book is my grandsons. And they're your age, some of you. And they, I watch them all the time trying new things and sometimes getting discouraged and not being sure if they should keep going. And I have different words like the I can't do this yet but I'm still trying that we that we say together and now they're they're starting to remember that and I think they stop and think that maybe they should just keep going mm, that's wonderful you know a question came in and I think it's a good time to ask it because um Gail we talked a little bit about how you were inspired by your nephews um but where did the name a student is asking in a fourth grader where did the name Jab Jab I, I don't know why yeah <laughs> it's okay there isn't an M um yeah that's such a good question so my cousin um his middle name is Jahari and so I think that was like floating around in my head and um, in a very, very early um, version, Jabari's name was Hen Harry, I think. Yeah. And um, that was one of, I have a critique group, group too. And that was one of like their first notes. They were like, you need a better name. We have enough Harry's in Kidlet. So, um, which is totally true. And so um, Jabari actually means brave in Swahili, which is a wow. language um, people speak in Eastern Africa. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. No way, really, I can't Jabari. wait to tell my kids. That's awesome. Yeah. That is perfect. That <laughs> is perfect. Wow, thank you for sharing that. That is really cool. You know, one of the things that a lot of students like to hear about is the process. Um, when do you write? How often do you write? Do you have a writing space? And um, Gaya, I, I'm curious about you because you had said that first book took a long time. Yeah. But it seems as though you are getting books out quite quickly now. Would Does you say it? yes? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your process. I mean, I think publishing, a lot of people don't realize that it takes a long time, that um, 
books usually take at least two years to be made. And that's like pretty standard. Um, Jabari jumps took longer. It took, um, I think I got my contract in 2014 and then it was supposed to come out in 2016, it ended up coming out in 2017. Um, and stuff like that happens all the time. But I don't think people realize that most, the majority of books, um, it takes a really long time for them to come out. Um, so yeah, I'm working on books right now that probably, I, th I think, yeah, it was like 2024 that <laughs> hopefully they'll come out if they don't get pushed. Um, but when I did The Best Bed for Me, this book, um, I did mostly in like during the height of the pandemic and I have two kids and everybody was at home and um, it's about a little kid who doesn't want to go to sleep, which I think a lot of parents unfortunately can relate to. <laughs> um, so yeah, my inspiration for that, well, a lot of it was me. Um, but I think also during the pandemic about like how we write, that sh shifted just because we didn't have school in the same way and um, <clears throat> we didn't have childcare. And so I think a lot of writers can also relate to that. Um, I wrote like early in the morning and then in the afternoons and then I was kind of like squeezed stuff in at the end of the day. And then there were some days where like, I really didn't get much work done because plan A or B or C, <laughs> like you were saying, Shannon. Um, yeah, but now we recently moved to Connecticut and I have an office with a door that shuts, which is very exciting. Um, so now I do have more regular hours again, which is great. Fantastic. That quiet time to write. Yeah. Cindy or Shannon, anything about your process? Um, I... I'm a person who tends to get obsessed about things. So when I get busy and uh, decided to write books, my daughters had both moved out and gone to college or started their jobs. And I had a lot of time. It wasn't like Gaya who I had a lot of people interrupting me. So I tended to just dig right in and write most of the time. And that's because I get lost in it. If you find something you really love, it's easy to get to get lost in it and, and the time just goes away. So I wrote a lot. <laughs> and Shannon? Well, when I was still teaching, because I was writing um, about 10 years during my full-time teaching career. And so what I would do to kind of escape is we have a really nice playhouse in the backyard. <laughs> And when my girls got old enough that they weren't playing Barbies or with the little kitchen set out there, um, I took over the playhouse uh, and be it became my writing cottage and it was adorable. It still has like this little red chandelier and I repainted it all and it's just beautiful. I had all my books and inspiration. But when I stopped teaching, guess where I had to store all of my <laughs> classroom. Um, so I gave a lot of it to my oldest daughter, who is now a first grade teacher, but what's left is still out there. So I converted this room in my house into my writing room, because even though, um, so I have a girl who is a senior in high school, so she's gone during the day and my husband's working during the day and my other one is married and teaching. And so now I have the house to myself inside. And so I can just kind of hang out with my cats and dog and get all my writing done that way. I will say one thing I've learned about my process is that when I get an idea, it's really important for me to write it down right away 
because I will, it will escape me. I will forget what it was. And the other thing is sometimes I'll get a nugget for a whole story. And I have found that what I really need to do is just no matter what I'm doing, stop everything and open a new document on my computer and scratch down some notes and any lines or names that I know I'm going to want to use and just put that in my works in progress file, because you just never know when, you know, you're going to forget something that comes to you. And some of those little nuggets that I snuck away some time to jot down really quickly have become books. Mm, I like that. And I think it's really important for the students listening because you're in the classroom and you, you don't get to decide in school when you're going to write. And sometimes it can be hard when the teacher says it's writing time and you think, what am I going to write about? But to have a list of ideas is really, really helpful. And I do keep paper with me here in my office and in my car and in my purse and next to my bed because ideas come to me at really strange times. Um, I do have a question from one of the classrooms and this is more of a growth mindset question. So whoever would like to answer this, what should we do if we feel like we can't do something? And that's from Mrs. Morocco's class. I can take that. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'll get really nerdy here. Um, so when when you so we're the boss of our brains is the boss are the boss of our body, right? And so here's what I want you to think about. We have these things, these brain cells that are called neurons in our brains. And what happens is as we learn something new, let me just draw a quick brain for you. So let's say this is our brain, okay? And when we learn something new, we have all of these little brain cells, these neurons that are firing and talking to each other, they're communicating. And so when I try something like, let's say I'm trying to learn how to ride my bike without training wheels. So I try it and that first time, let's say these neurons have to talk to these neurons over here. Okay. And so you can see, I know it kind of looks like a big potato now, but this is our brain and our neurons. <laughs> and so when I tried that, let's say I crashed and it didn't work out, you know, I, I can get back on. So what I can do is think about, well, what didn't work? Like maybe I turned my handlebars or maybe I didn't have enough speed to stay upright. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try again, but those same neurons are going to be talking to the same neurons because what I'm building here is my my riding bikes neural pathway. And so what happens is every time I get back on and try, my brain is getting stronger and making that pathway stronger and stronger every time. And so this, I just like to share with kids to understand that it's not something that um, is just, oh, you know, this fluff stuff. If I believe it, I can do it. No, it really is a real thing. Your brain is wired this way. So as you are learning something, as you're practicing something, the times you get it right and the times you don't get it right, you're strengthening those pathways. And so now like my neural pathway for tying shoes, I don't have to think about the steps. I can bend over and go zoop, 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 and tie them and not think about it because I built that tying shoes neural pathway. It's the same thing when I was teaching first grade and they had to learn their addition facts and subtraction facts. You know, in the beginning, it's kind of tricky and you have to use your fingers. And when I was teaching third grade and we had to learn our multiplication facts, we had to draw arrays and do repeated addition. And, you know, sometimes when we first start doing that, the kids think, I'll never be able to just rattle off seven times seven is 49. But 
your brain knows you can, and your brain knows that every time you practice that, it's sending that same message and getting stronger and stronger and building that pathway. So by the end of third grade, I can say, what is seven times seven? And you don't have to think about it. You can just say 49 because you trained your brain. So you get to train what your brain learns. So when you're thinking you can't do it, it's just a matter of practicing and time, and then you can do it. It's just sometimes it takes people more practice or sometimes it takes people more time. Wonderful. I am. I love that. Can I add something? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I can bet that almost every single one of you, or I, I would say every single one of you have used a growth mindset at one time or another. Think back and you might not remember it, but you might think of another baby that you know that walked for the first time or tried to walk for the first time. What happened? They fell, right? Always. Yeah, they always fall at the first time. Did they give up and quit? They didn't. What would happen if everybody in the world gave up the first time they tried to walk and it didn't work? They wouldn't, nobody would be walking, right? (laughs) So think back when you try something, need to try something new, think back. Well, I've done that before. I can do it. I'm just going to keep doing it. Like Ms. Shannon explained, I'm going to keep working. And those neural pathways are going to get stronger and stronger. Wonderful. Wow. Wow. We have um, one more quick discussion. Can I add one more thing? Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I was going to say I loved that. And I wanted to remind kids that because I do that, I do this still sometimes um, when I'm really excited to like draw something and I compare what I draw to someone else, like a, an artist who I really admire or like when I'm um, maybe like you, there's a cool song or an instrument or even like a sport that you're playing and you're comparing yourself to like this amazing athlete and you're like, Oh, I can't do it. Like I can't pitch. I'm not a good pitcher. And it's like, well, are you, can you not do it? Or I think sometimes you have to remember that that like athlete or illustrator or writer that they have put in the hours that Shannon was talking about. Like they have tried over and over and over again. Like nobody wakes up and can do something perfectly that just doesn't happen. And so it's totally normal to like have to get better and better and better at something. I, we, I have a com- we have a comment from one of the teachers that said, this is the best discussion I have participated in with my class. Loved this. Mm-hmm. So thank you, everyone. And I do I do have one more um, kind of topic that I would like to um, have some discussion about, and then we will wrap things up to keep everyone's time in check. The question is around rejections and publishing. And so one of the classrooms um, asked, um, how many rejection letters did you get before getting published? Um, and what kept you from giving up? And that also helps to answer um, one of the aspiring writers in this group who, who um, would like to know thoughts on you know, finding a publisher. So those are kind of like three little questions in one. Who wants to go? I can start. I haven't (laughs) counted my rejections, um, but 
I would bet they're probably close to a hundred because it's lots of different stories I have written um, and tried to get published. Some of the rejections came from agents and some of them came from publishing houses. And the thing that kept me going was my community of writers, mm. my peer group like you have in your writing groups that helped me realize that I could keep going, that I could make it happen. And I probably would have given up if I hadn't had those people to help me along. So turn to those teachers or those peer members, kids in your classroom, or Put a story out there for a contest like Miss Shannon did for her for her contest in school and just think, stop. Sometimes you have to take a break, right? Sometimes you have to take a break and sit back and say, I'll look at this again tomorrow and give yourself a break because we all need that and then try again. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I think like... Um... So a couple of things. One, I am still getting rejections. <laughs> All the time. Um, that doesn't stop ever. So I have an agent and I will say, oh, I'm so excited about the story. What do you think? And she'll say like, well, maybe you should work on this. Or maybe I'll show a story to my critique group and they'll say the same thing. Um, so that's just part of the process. And sometimes it has nothing to do with your work itself. It has to do with like what's going on in the world or maybe there's like a similar book that just came out. Um, and so it's just not the right time. But something that is important for me to remember is that nothing is wasted because I am like a perfectionist and I'm trying to get over that thinking and really like think more, use more growth mindset. And so for me, I'm like, ah, oh, but I just did all this work. Like what a waste. I spent all this time, but that's not true. It's not a waste. Like you might not know exactly how you'll use that work again, but it'll be in your mind. Like um, Cindy was talking about, or Shannon, sorry, was talking about the neural pathways. Like it'll be in your brain and everything you work on helps you get better. And it makes any work you do in the future better. Sure. So that's what I tell myself to stay sane. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah I also doing. have no idea how many rejections I have. I have a lot. <laughs> now yeah, that they same. come digitally, I don't collect them as much <laughs> like I used to when they came on <laughs> in hard hard copy. Um, but I always remember that Dr. Seuss was rejected 27 times before his first book was published. And so that inspires me to know that that is just part of the process. And like Gaya said, you know, sometimes it has nothing to do with the story, not being a good story. It's just not a good fit for that publisher. Or, you know, I've, I've had a story where someone said, you know, it was just too long or, um, there's something like she said, I've had, I've had that happen where I had a, a story that was very similar to something that same publisher was putting out in the next year. And so it's just something where you have to do your research and find the right home for your story. But I, I always tell kids when I come to author visits that when I go to conferences to learn more, which is one of the most important things you can do when you're trying to get better at something, I always pay for a critique. And what that is, is when you pay money to someone to tell you what they don't like about your story. And why would I pay someone money to tell me what they don't like? Well, 
The reason is because I want to know those spots I can really get into and fix so I can make it the best story ever because I don't want to send it off to a publisher until it's really at its best because I want it to become a book someday. And I always tell kids, so kids, listen up. When you are doing your writing, during writing time in your classroom, you can go up to your teacher and say, is there a part in here I could make better or fix? And you don't even have to pay them money. They will do that for free. And you are so lucky. I would have so many more books published right now if I didn't have to pay. If I had someone every single day that would say, hey, you need to fix this part or you could do this and make it better. I would be like, oh my goodness. So really take advantage of that because feedback, even though as someone said, it can sometimes feel like, oh, they don't like it or something like that, but it truly is to help you. And feedback always helps us to grow and get better. Wonderful. My goodness. Well, from Cardinal Rule Press, we just appreciate everyone participating today. We have a school, the International School of Aruba um, from far, far away who left a very positive comment in our feed. So thank you very much. Um, we love bringing communities together, especially around um, certain topics like the growth mindset. And so we hope that you'll continue to join us for these awesome panels. And we are so thankful to our guests today. Thank you. Big round of applause. We appreciate your time um, for you this all. community of writers, young and old. So thank you everyone for signing up and for tuning in. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.